I like to take my listeners on a journey. When I learned that you had this power on stage, if you could harness it and you could take people through an emotional roller coaster and you're at the wheel. Hey, I'm Carrie. And I'm Lauren. And welcome to How Do You Learn To, the podcast dedicated to understanding the learning journey from a personal perspective. As lifelong learners who work in learning and development, we want to know more about the highs and lows of developing a new skill and the personal growth that comes along with it. Our talented friends will share their learning stories with us right here on this podcast. From that initial spark of a new interest to the aha moments when things finally click into place. We hope this podcast encourages you to take a risk, learn something new, and embrace the journey of lifelong learning. This week, we're welcoming our pal Jonathan Berry to How'd You Learn To? Jonathan is a master storyteller. He's told personal and moving stories about his life in front of a live audience. For most people, being this vulnerable might seem like a nightmare, but I can tell you from my own experience, Jonathan pulls this off with grace and humor. For the past five years, he's honed his skill by telling stories across Toronto at Fuck Up Nights, Replay Storytelling, and on his own podcast, Johnny Chocolates. Today, we're thrilled to have him on the show to share his own story. Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Lauren. Such an introduction. We want to start with you telling us a story. How'd you get interested in the skill of storytelling? If we go all the way back to grade school, I've always been in theater and on the stage all the way up to basically the end of high school. So I was like one of those theater nerds, you know, those outcasts and you find your tribe. And then it died when I went to school and I jumped into computers and then just never got into it. And then in 2016, I started teaching and being in front of a group of people felt like being on stage at the be- at the front of the classroom. And that sort of reignited that. And I got into teaching for a little while and then teaching at Shopify in the dev degree program. And then I asked one day and I was like, can I take like a public speaking course at Second City? And they said yes, and they would pay for it. And so I did it. And then from there, that kind of led to, I saw that they had storytelling courses. And so I did storytelling one and most of two before the pandemic hit, and then got into these storytelling nights in Toronto. And I've just been weaving storytelling in throughout my job, in life in general. And when you were getting out of the computer phase and into teaching, which is a really great sort of reintroduction for getting back into storytelling. Because you're right, as you educate a group, the best teaching is the stuff that resonates is the sticky stories that you tell. So as you were doing that, what made you think this is something that is a passion for me? It's very fulfilling. What made you think this would be something that would stick long-term? It was 2019 Summit. I saw Toby Shannon speak, and regardless of what he said, just the way he spoke and the way he told the story and the way he had crafted the story, really, I sat there looking at it and I was just like, I want to do that for a living. It just, there was this click that was just like, I love what I just saw. So a bit of context for anyone who's listening who who didn't work at Shopify. Toby Shannon we would give a talk at our company summit every single year that I remember when I showed up, I, my first summit was about six months after I started. And someone said, oh, oh, here comes the peyote talk. Because you just never knew. One year, it was about like frozen caveman bones. The next year, it was about... I remember a story about a shipwreck or something. You wondered where he was going with it, but he always pulled you back in. He's definitely also a master storyteller and certainly 
someone who would be very inspiring. Yeah, just just the craft. He had it down pat. Little that I knew at the time about it, I was like, oh, this is an example of someone who really knows what they're doing. That's actually a good transition. Let's dive into the craft of storytelling for a second, because what's interesting about story is it's one of the things that set us apart from the animals. It's one of the things that allow us to work together is like using story to create like unified understanding of concepts. So it's something that's intuitive to a certain degree, but as you dig in, I'm sure that there's actual techniques and pieces of mastery that you have to identify and say, okay, like I need to, I'm good at this. I need to get better at that. What are some of the pieces of mastery when it comes to storytelling? Editing. Okay. He says the longest question in the history of podcasts. <laughs> One word, edit. You have to be willing to let go. And you might have a really funny joke or really funny story or a funny person, like just something that you really want to as part of the story. And as you're whittling it down, like if it doesn't fit, you have to be willing to let that go and save that for another day. When you get really down into the editing of it, like you, you got to break something down into 10 minutes and take that 10 minute story and go down to seven or something. So you have to look at parts of it and say, if I remove this, does it change the story? I am so interested in that because you're someone who tells personal anecdotes. Yes. We all tell stories about our lives and Sometimes they are a bit more long-winded, but we're really married to those details, right? They're part of who we are. When you first started telling these personal anecdotes, these very, very vulnerable stories, did you ever have like a fail forward or a growth moment where you're like, oh, maybe that's a detail I should have edited out? I did. I was working my coach, Colette Mix, at Second City. And then when I was doing talk at the Fuck Up Nights, I had her come. And I actually hired her to help me with this story and help me to hone it. And I had a whole thing about another person that was really special to me and meant a lot to me. And at the end of it, we had to cut him out, out of it. That was really hard to do. And she said, if we remove this, what happens to your story? And I was like, nothing. Yeah, that was a hard moment. I don't think I, I have had that moment on stage per se. I have had moments where basically all the stories that I tell are all personal ones and it's they're very therapeutic and cathartic and it actually helps me work through things and then when you tell it on stage and you people nodding in agreement and understanding it's it's a really nice feeling but I had one I submitted it for replay storytelling and it just was like it was too intense it was a bit much a bit polarizing was that a learning moment was that oh I'd like to do this differently or was it oh this is just like I need to to pick the pair the right story with the right venue it's a little bit of that. It was also like, okay, maybe I'm diving a little bit too much into this personally, and I mm -hmm. need to veer my stories into another direction because they're getting, I'm getting lost a little bit. I want to tap into that mentor you mentioned, the person at Second City who helped you, as you say, hone this craft and ask more about the community of storytellers that you've probably fallen into. Is there anyone else in the community that you've met through telling stories? And how has that community helped you to develop mastery of this skill? Yeah, I do a number of stories with replay storytelling whenever my schedule lines up with theirs. Before every show, I have to meet with one of the producers. We would sit and meet for coffee and I would tell him my story and he would give me a little bit of feedback on it and what things that works, what things that didn't. So they helped me and just hone it in a little bit. But it, more than anything, it was just that actually gave me the confidence because when I would tell the stories, everything worked that I wanted to work. It was a nice affirmation and, and any critiques made sense. But it was, yeah, it just basically going through either Colette or just those people and telling it on stage and then just listening to other people's stories and dissecting them. 
when was the last time you watched another storyteller and you were like, oh, I want to do that. Like, I want to be there in a year and a half or whatever. I don't know if it would be in a year and a half, but I watched Chelsea Handler's Netflix special. And that woman is not a comedian. She is a full-fledged storyteller. And I just watch what she's doing. And one of the great techniques is to take a little thread and weave that through your entire story. And, and her thing about confusing the sun and the moon for the same thing. She lands that joke at the beginning and then she pulls that through the whole show it's those little techniques that, so I, I love watching stand-ups that do storytelling that way on the flip side of that is there anyone who's hindered your progress as a storyteller once upon a time i used to weave storytelling into everything i did at work so when i was writing this course in how to use sql i made sure that there was a it basically told a story that you're building something and there's a bit of a narrative everything i did was very story driven and i had a kind of multimedia type job. And then someone else came in at a higher level who was not into that at all and actively dissuaded and clamped down on it hard. That's not what they wanted. And that was really hard. I was stabbed to the heart and stabbed to the confidence when someone's, this is what I do. And then someone turns around and says, no, that's not what we want at all, even though you've been doing that for four years. Yeah, it's hard when somebody doesn't see the value in a craft that you do, especially with something like storytelling, which there have been scientific studies done on the influential power of a well-crafted story, how it can bring people along and, and what it does to brain chemistry. I'm curious, what kind of reaction do you seek when you're telling a story what are the cues from your audience that this story is landing in the way that I want it to? I would say laughter would be one. I've begun to discover in the past while that I actually have a real comedy side that I didn't quite know I had. And every time I tell the story, I lean into it more and more. Like it's the engagement, right? I like to take my listeners on a journey. When I learned that you had this power on stage, if you could harness it and you could take people through an emotional roller coaster and you're at the wheel. So when I see that happening, and people are reacting the way I was hoping or just reacting in general. I'm curious how that translates to the podcast. You're recording it by yourself without an audience. How does that impact your storytelling in that space? And also where else have you applied this skill? So I'm uh, just recording episode five of the Johnny Chocolates podcast now. It's really at this point, I have to remember that I'm doing this for me and the validation may not come or it may not come right away. So it may be after I do 10 episodes and maybe it catches on somewhere months later down the road who knows right so right now it's it's really tough it's actually really tough because i really need that validation don't we all my wife and i joke sometimes like i'm an engine that runs on praise and it, and the flip side of that is if you're only accountable to yourself it's really hard to stick to a craft, especially as you're learning it or learning how to apply it in a new medium. Are there any accountability techniques or goals you're setting up for yourself just to make sure that you do stay on track? I'm trying my hardest to get one of these out a week. And it feels like it's work at this point, but it's fun work. My first podcast, I riffed and re-recorded. And then I was realized like that is not scalable. Like you can't riff mm. every single week. In the podcast itself, I play about six records from my record collection and I talk about each record, why it's important or where I bought it or what it means to me or anything like that. And so I got to write all that down. I got to collect those ideas, write it, revise it multiple times and then record it. So again, it, it's for me at this point and I, I can't keep doing this for the praise. So here's the journey so far as I'm hearing it. You discover this Nassian skill 
in education and then you apply it in learning and development within the business context but then you also find the personal passion side of it being on stage and then you find the asynchronous version of that in podcasting it feels like you, you've done some going deeper in the skill and also like widening the impact of the skill what's next for you do you think you're going to go deeper into the skill and circle back to achieving more mastery or do you think even like wider still and finding a new channel for it i would like to do way more live events. There's a number of different storytelling groups within Toronto. And so I'd love to start jumping into those. The podcast is great, but I'm just at the point now where I get on stage and I'm excited and not really nervous anymore. That's a milestone. That's a fun place to be. Were you at first nervous? Like back when you first started telling stories in front of folks? Oh yeah, totally. Ever recording the first one that I did, you could see it took about two minutes for me to click you can see a change a couple minutes in. So you've gone back and watched your storytelling to like see what things you need to fix, the things you need to change. Yeah, when I can get a recording, I like to have it. I'm still not totally into watching myself, but I'm totally into editing my voice. An interesting takeaway though, because that's learning what not to do. I guess. Like when you think back to what you mentioned earlier around being married to specific details of your personal stories, that's a great example of when folks maybe lean too much into those anecdotes, into those little details, and they don't do the one thing that you recommend, which is edit. And every story is about who are you at the beginning of the story and who are you at the end? And there's got to be a shift in there to make a compelling story. Were you told like the old uncle story that's just so awash in details that you don't like, oh, it was 1987 and I was wearing my blue flannel. No, it was my red flannel I was wearing. And when you're making a story, it's just like, oh, God, was that, did that happen in 2017 or 2018? And it's just, like, it doesn't matter. You just say a number and you just commit to it. Some of my facts aren't totally, they're massaged or I'm not quite sure, but you just say it with confidence and you mm -hmm. just make a decision and go with it. I like that. Make a decision and go with it. That's yeah, great advice for any learning journey. I love not only when a skill can be developed and, and you achieve and go deeper and find that mastery, but also you find so many different ways of expressing it and ways of implementing it. JB, Johnny Chocolates, Jonathan, a man of many names. Where can the people find you? We've talked about the Johnny Chocolates podcast. Is it available on all podcasting solutions? It's really easy to find. If you just go to johnnychocolates.com, that's J-O-N-Y chocolates.com, it'll get you right to the podcast. And I'm also on Instagram at Johnny Chocolates, and I post album covers for all the songs that I play. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. It was a distinct pleasure to have you here. Oh my gosh, thank you. What a fun conversation that was with Jonathan. Right? I've seen him perform and tell his stories in person, but having him on the podcast to share that was a real delight. Yeah, it's actually a shame that it's an audio-only thing, although he has a wonderful voice, because JB's presence, he has this little smile that he does. It's so interesting that it's a craft he's perfected. It's not just like a force of personality thing. Like, there's actually craft there. I think the charisma comes naturally, but I'm sure it is a skill you have to develop over time and, and through practice. And I'm wondering what your, your takeaway was from our conversation. So I taught myself to play drums by listening to an Our Lady Peace album. I taught myself to play acoustic guitar by like, you know what I mean? Like I've taught myself mm -hmm. almost every skill that I know. And there's a little like punk rock DIY ethic in there. But when I hear JB just kind of casually be like, yeah, like I hired a coach to like walk me through. So I'm like, 
Well, there's an idea. Not to downplay the the importance and the good things about being able to teach yourself something and knowing how you learn, which mm-hmm. is kind of why we started this podcast in the first place. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you have access to an expert or access to that well of knowledge, that access to communities, why wouldn't you take advantage of it? That really made me reconsider some mm-hmm. of the choices I've made in learning. And I think mentorship is such a, a valuable entryway into a community to meeting other folks who share that skill. 100%. What about you? So my big takeaway was something that Jonathan said early in the episode, which was editing as the oh. most important skill involved in storytelling as someone who now you know hosts a podcast. I think often about the ways that I can be more to the point in asking questions and driving a conversation, you know. Brevity is the soul of wit and and how we can apply that to other learning journeys as well and and not being too married to specific details and nuances and just sort of seeing the forest for the trees and and really helping that to propel us further along that journey. Yeah, there's that goal centeredness Mm. of that, right? Where you're like, I want my story to land this particular point or to say this particular thing. I need to be conscious about how I like Mm. how I craft it, what I include to make sure that it's all in service of this thing where I think we he didn't say this explicitly mm-hmm. but I think the the story that JB told about having to cut that person who's important is like I want to include this person maybe to make them feel special or mm-hmm. to to give them their flowers or whatever it is but it didn't actually serve the the goal of that story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and on that note uh, <laughs> brevity you know <laughs> brevity <laughs> let's get out of here <laughs> let's uh let's get out this was really fun uh, another great episode for the books that's right so thank you so much for listening to how'd you learn to i'm carrie o'brien i'm lauren Ram. and we'll see you in future episodes now for now